Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, we just finished the book of Acts, and I just want to say thank you for joining me through that journey. I know it was long, but... Uh, I try to go as detailed as possible in, in these Bible studies, uh, in these podcasts. And uh, like I said, if you ever have any questions or comments, you can feel free to email me at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com and I will get back to you just as soon as I possibly can. But again, I just want to say thank you for the journey with me through the book of Acts. And uh, I've decided to stay with Luke. Uh, and we're going to go through the, the gospel of Luke simply because, you know, all this chaos and, and crap that's going on in our world today. And I just feel like people need to hear about Jesus and, and who Jesus is and the hope that he gives about the power of the gospel, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and, and how he can change people's lives and, and just give us the hope that we need just to even make it through a single day. And uh, especially with the COVID going on, there's a lot of sickness around us, a lot of death. There's, you know, all this stuff going on in Afghanistan and just it, our world is in so much turmoil. Our, our, our society here in the United States is in such turmoil. We're turning against one another, you know, a mask. Do I wear a mask? Do I not wear a mask? You know, you know just just all kinds of chaos. And, and so I just feel like it, it, at this time that uh, I need to stick with Jesus and just share uh, what Luke says about Jesus in his gospel. And so uh, today we're going to start digging in uh, Luke chapter 1. And in Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, this is how Luke starts out. He says, Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, Luke says, I have also decided to write an account for you. So I, I, I've, I've checked out all these other writings that all these people have done from the very beginning, and, and, and I've carefully investigated it, and so I'm going to write an account to you as well. And that's what we have in our Bibles today is Luke's account. And he says, uh, uh, he says I'm going to write this for you, most honorable Theophilus. And you can Google who Theophilus is. There's just so many guesses. We don't really know. Uh, but there's all kinds of ideas out there. But, but the main point is what Luke uh, tells this Theophilus, which in my opinion is just simply his readers. Um, he says, so you can be certain of the truth of everything that you were taught. So uh, Luke gives his readers at least five reasons why they can trust what he's saying in his Gospels. He says, number one, he says, I checked out other people's writings to see how they compared. And evidently what he saw and what he read from these other writings uh, was, was very comparable. And then he says in number two, he says, I used eyewitness reports from the early disciples. So he has, he has talked to people and maybe he's even talked to some disciples himself, the original disciples, because he did travel around with Paul uh, for many years. And we'll talk more about that here in just a bit. 
But he says, I used eyewitness reports from the early disciples. Number three, he says, he conducted a careful investigation going to the very beginning, which may be the, the, the reason why he starts out about the days leading up to the birth of Jesus. And so he says, I, you know, I've, I've conducted this, this investigation. I've done my own research into this. And, and, and so I'm going to write an account myself, and it, which is number four. He wrote his own account. He is a doctor, and he would be very meticulous with his information. And, and if you remember, if you're going with me through the book of Acts, you can see all the details and how uh, uh, very carefully he was. Uh, he paid attention to a lot of details. Like he would t say which side of the the island that they passed by, or, you know, and things like that, and how the weather was. So uh, the fifth thing is that the reader may have certainty of everything they were taught, which is past tense. In other words, whoever he was writing this to at the time, they have been taught something, and Luke has investigated it to make sure that what this person has been taught, or these people have been taught, is true. Uh, and so uh, there is no doubt, there is no doubt, what Luke has written in his gospel that we're going to be going through here uh, and by the way, Luke chapter 1 is four different parts, just in chapter 1. So it's going to be a, a long journey, but I want to break it down and I want to make it simple. And I, I, want, I want you to plainly, to be able to plainly see who Jesus is and the hope that he gives. And so there's, like I said, there's no doubt that what Luke has written is 100% truth and it is 100% accurate. And so the question is going to become, or it has become, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to choose to reject it, or are you going to choose to believe it? Um, and so I want to talk just a little bit about, uh, just giving an introduction to, um, to Luke. He, I want to talk a little bit about his audience. And this comes from an article by Michael White. Uh, who was or is a professor of classics and director at the Religious Studies Program of the University of Texas at Austin. Here's what he says. He says, Luke's gospel is clearly written for more of a Gentile audience. Now, if you remember when he's traveling around with Paul through the book of Acts, they're traveling through Gentile cities and Gentile places. And so his audience naturally then would be more Gentile than it would be Jew. And this guy says that Luke is traditionally thought of as one of Paul's traveling companions, and it's certainly the case that he is the author of Luke, was from those Greek cities in which Paul had worked. Luke's gospel is a product of a kind of Pauline Christianity, and so it tells the story in some slightly different ways than do the other gospels. It has different interests. It has different thematic concerns. It probably also has different political self-consciousness because its writings predominantly for Gentiles in the Greek cities of Asia Minor or Greece itself. Luke's audience seems to be much more of a cultured, literary kind of audience. He says that Luke's Greek is the highest quality and style of anything in the New Testament. And, and I remember when I took Greek in, in uh, at the University, of, uh, the Freed Harman University, where I got my Bible degree in West Tennessee, they... I remember my Greek teacher always talking about Luke's Greek and how well it was and how polished it was compared to somebody like Paul. He, he said that Paul's Greek was very sloppy, uh, but, but Luke's is, is, is very well done. It's very polished. 
uh, like this guy says, Luke's Greek is the highest quality in the style of anything in the New Testament. He says it reads more like a novel in the Greek tradition rather than Mark's gospel, which has a kind of a crude quality at times to the Greek grammar. So anyone on the street of a Greek city picking up Luke's gospel, he says, would have, would have felt at home with it if they were to be able to read good Greek. Um, the place that, so the audience then would be more uh, Gentile than Jew, even though there would be uh, Jews reading Luke's gospel. Uh, and the place of the book, uh, uh, the book of Luke or the gospel of Luke, and the date, they're, they're uncertain, unfortunately. But most date the time period between 60 A.D. to 67 A.D. And since Luke was the author of Acts, some people who are you know, way more knowledgeable than I am, they have put a time frame to when Luke started traveling with Paul, and they came up with 49 A.D. to 62 A.D. So Luke either he, he did his investigating while he traveled with Paul, which is interesting to think about uh, because he would have been able to interview the original disciples themselves, which would have been awesome. Uh, when Paul went to Jerusalem and he was uh, imprisoned for several years in Caesarea. So that would have given Luke some time to do some investigating. Uh, perhaps this is when he wrote the book just to prove that what they were doing among the Gentiles is not in vain. Or Luke could have written the book while Paul was in prison in Rome or perhaps even after Paul's death. There's all kinds of options to when Luke could have written uh, the Gospel of Luke. Uh, if you think about it, persecution among the Roman Empire against Christians was escalating under Nero. That's when Paul was, was beheaded. And so trying to get in, in, you know, inside of a man's head that lived 2,000 years ago is very difficult. But it is possible uh, that Luke wanted his Gentile audience to be certain that since they are dying for this man named Jesus, I mean literally dying for their faith, uh, they're giving their life for the the christ the messiah the savior that they're not dying in vain uh, and that they are dying for uh, who they are dying for had already died for them to be saved and they would be going into eternity to live with jesus the messiah forever so as luke did in the book of acts he uses details that gives us a time frame and we'll pick up with that time frame when we come back from break we'll be right back have you ever watched The Wizard of Oz? He meant, and in particular, uh, the lion. You know what? What a coward, right? Uh, lions are supposed to be fierce, but this this lion on The Wizard of Oz was was nothing but a coward. Um, other animals they they fear the lion because he is the king of the jungle. And what did the lion on The Wizard of Oz lack? He lacked courage. Whether it's serving the Lord or doing something different than the normal in life, one thing that holds us back is the lack of courage. Joshua had big shoes to fill when, it, when, when Moses had died and God chose Joshua to lead the Hebrew people into the land of promise. And you can read all about that in Joshua chapter 1. But three times God told Joshua these words, Be strong and courageous or be strong and full of courage whether it is serving the lord or doing something new in life quit holding back quit procrastinating and be strong and courageous and get with it 
So as I was saying before break, Luke is going to give a lot of details throughout his gospel, just like he did in the book of Acts. And he's going to give us some, a time frame that actually gives us an idea about the time that when Jesus uh, was born. Um, he starts at the birth of Jesus, and his time frame is during the time uh, when Herod was king over Judea, which would be from around 37 B.C. to 4 A.D. So there's your time frame there when Jesus was born. And here's what Luke says. He says, When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. So immediately, just right off the bat, Luke gives us a time frame, and he gives even the names of people who were involved and why that they were in their positions that they were in. In other words, facts that could actually be traced, just like he did in the book of Acts and, and Luke gives detail after detail after detail with the stories he's going to be telling, which you'll see that here in, in Luke chapter 1. Uh, but if you remember, uh, I talked to one time about a guy named uh, uh, William Ramsey, Sir William Ramsey. I think he was uh, uh, from Britain who was an archaeologist, and he set out to prove that Luke's writings was false. And by the time that he got done, because and what he, what he had done was he took all these facts that Luke was giving and he was going to disprove that Luke didn't know what he was talking about. But what he found out was when he started uh, digging into these facts that Luke gave, uh, he discovered uh, uh, that Luke was on point, that Luke was absolutely true with everything that he was saying, and it changed Sir William Ramsey's life. He gave his life to Jesus. Uh, and and my, my, my hope for you is that, that it doesn't take you to go uh, to go do some archaeological digging or anything like that, that you just read the Word of God and, and just open up your your eyes and your heart and, and, and just believe it. You know, just live for, for God, give your life to Christ, uh, especially in these days and times because we're never promised tomorrow. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so it is my prayer as we go through the book of Luke and you, do you hear these words about Jesus that your faith, if you're already a Christian, your faith be made stronger in, in the Lord. But if you're not a Christian, that your heart would be open to Jesus. So Luke has given us this time frame of the birth of Jesus between 37 B.C. to 4 A.D. is when Herod was the king of Judea. And, and these facts can be traced. And so Luke is telling about the birth of John the baptizer here when he's given these facts, who was the forerunner of Jesus. And John the baptizer would be the, the guy who, who prepares the way for the Messiah. And a lot of people thought that John was the Messiah. And he would say, no, I'm not that one. But there's one coming mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not even worthy to, to unloosen his sandals. Um, but even with this story, we're given a time frame into the birth of Jesus, which is also found in Luke chapter 1. So I want to skip ahead just for a minute and, and show you that Luke points out that Mary is greeted by an angel and it, it is announced to her that she will be the mother of Messiah and, and uh, uh, his name would be Jesus and he's going to be uh, uh, 
be announcing this to uh, Mary in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy with John the baptizer. In Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 31, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village of Galilee, to a, you see, you hear all these details, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel, the angel, appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. So as the old saying goes, it's all in the details. And so John's birth takes place in the reign of Herod, and Jesus' birth uh, is going to take uh, place six months later because uh, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary six months after he has spoken to Elizabeth about her being pregnant with John the Baptist. So here's a question for you. Did you know that Jesus and John the Baptizer were related? If you didn't, you know now. And so I just want to, again, just share some details that Luke gives about the birth of John the Baptizer. He says, One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week. As the custom of the priests, uh, as as was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. And while the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. So you get this picture in your head, right? He's inside this room and there's people outside praying and he's in there burning incense. He's lighting it up and smoke's coming, going everywhere. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. And Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man of the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure that this is going to happen? I'm an old man now. My wife is also well along in her years. And the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. Wouldn't that not just be awesome? It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said... You will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Now, I mean, come on, Zachariah. I mean, seriously, can you can you not recognize an angel when he's standing right beside you and he, he's talking to you face to face? Well, obviously not. Obviously not. But there's a strong possibility that that uh, uh, that you have helped someone in the past and you didn't even recognize that you were actually dealing with an angel. Maybe that homeless person that you fed or, or that person's food that you paid for in the grocery store or the, the people's food that you paid for in the restaurant, that person that you helped out by paying one of their bills, and you just fill in the blank with whatever. It very well could have been an angel of God and you never knew it. You say, how is that? Hebrews 13 verse 2. Hebrews 13 verse 2 says, Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, 
For some who have done this have entertained angels without even realizing it. And just real quickly, I, I, I want to ask this question. Yeah, because I think Zechariah saw that angel and was having a conversation, and I, I I think he recognized it was it was something different for sure. But what did that angel look like? How how did he either know it was an angel or not know that it was an angel? I mean, obviously somebody just popped in out of nowhere when he was in there burning incense by by himself. And so the question I want to ask you just real quickly is, what does an angel look like? Are they men with wings or are they like, you know, like Cupid with a baby with wings playing a heart? You know, blah, blah, blah. what if I said neither one? They, they don't look either one like that. Actually, there are several different types of angels found in the Bible. And, and we're going to look just at, at these at three of them just real quickly. And, uh, and I'm just going to mention something about them briefly. And the first one is the cherubim. And you can look those up, Ezekiel 1, 15 through 21, Ezekiel 3, 13, Ezekiel 10, 9 through 19, and Ezekiel 11 through 22. So obviously, Ezekiel likes talking about the cherubim. But the cherubim are described as having wheels and wings. Is that not cool? You don't think about angels having wheels, but Ezekiel uh, describes the cherubim as having wheels and wings it says ezekiel said every one had four faces which is weird the first face was the face of the cherub and the second face was was that of a human face and the third the face of a lion and the fourth the face of an eagle so the cherubim then would look very scary in a nightmare wouldn't they the second one that's mentioned in the bible is seraphim and you can find that in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 2. The seraphim are angelic beings that surround the throne of God, singing holy, holy, holy in unison to God's approach. The prophet describes them as having six wings, two of which are for flying, while they uh, use the rest to cover their heads and their feet because they're in the presence of God. And so they cover up, and they they cover their face in the presence of God. And they're singing holy, holy, holy around the clock in, around God's throne. And then there are angels that we typically think about when we hear the word angel. Um, angels come with names like Gabriel, uh, who came to Mary and Zechariah to tell them about their, their coming children. He also... Uh, um, he came to Elizabeth and told her about John the Baptist. Uh, you have Michael, the archangel, who protects heaven in Daniel 10, 13, 10, 21, 12, 1, and in Jude 1, 9, and Revelation 12. Many times throughout the Old Testament, God used angels to communicate with man, uh, which is where we get the name angel in the first place, because the term angel comes from the Greek word angelos, which ori originated from the Hebrew word for messenger, when we see paintings and pictures of these angels, oftentimes they are depicted as women and have wings. Neither, neither is biblical. These angels, these messengers for God, they always had a male name and they never had wings, which is very awkward because I have this huge tattoo on my calf of an angel fighting a demon 
And yes, they're they're fighting in the air, and my demon and my angel have wings, which is not biblical. So my tattoo is definitely not biblical. So when Gabriel shows up to have this conversation with Zechariah, there's a great chance that he looked just like a normal person in Zechariah's day. So before we go beating up on Zechariah, did he recognize it was an angel or did he not recognize it was an angel? So, you know, think about the strangers that you have encountered throughout your life. Did you recognize any of those as angels? I would, I would almost say with 100% certainty, no, you didn't. And because I haven't either. And I've helped a lot of people in my 48 years uh, being on this earth. And not one time did they say, hey, I'm an angel, by the way. Or not, not one time did I realize that that was an angel. Uh, I have questioned it at times. You know, I've helped people and, and it's like they just vanished into thin air. They just somehow know that they got away from me. And I was like, hmm, wonder if that was an angel of God. But Zechariah, that's just a brief, like, you know, there's there's so many books and, and websites out there that you can study on, uh, on angels. But, you know, just things that we've always thought of as, you know, growing up, you know, is not always how we were taught by people as growing up. It's not always biblical. This is why I always say, read your Bible for yourself and study the Bible for yourself and see what the Word of God says for yourself and not taking it from some preacher who's standing in the pulpit or some uh, uh, Sunday school teacher or Bible class, just whatever. Read it for yourself and, 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 and see what God says about these things. Um, and as we go through the book of Luke, you're going to be reading all these details that Luke gives. And, and that's what I wanted to point out from this chapter is how Luke sets this thing up. He gives us the time frame. He, he gives us the setting. And, 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 and he is going to point out these details with John the, Baptist's, or John the Baptizer's birth and Jesus' birth. And as we go through these details, I, I just hope and pray that, that I can bring out some things that maybe you have never thought of before. And it will help you see and understand the scriptures but most importantly it will help you understand more about Jesus and draw you closer to Jesus that is my prayer that the Holy Spirit will take these podcasts and just open up your eyes to see who Jesus really is for yourself and if you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior I pray today that you would do that before it's everlastingly too late to give your life to Christ, to be baptized for the remission of your sins, to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. You will be glad that you did because your sins will be forgiven and you will be on your way to heaven to spend with all of God's children for eternity. God bless you and keep grinding. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro, off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.